Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So, uh, just a quick question. Would you prefer, like, hot sex or honest sex? When I when I bring up the topic of sex, how does that make you feel? A little excited, maybe a little nervous? Well, let, let's take a more sterile view of things. J- just in a in a in a size thing, what's the largest um, organ in your body for sex? Is it is it your brain? Is is your brain the biggest sex organ? Because without a brain, I'm not too sure. You know, I'm no comatosologist, but uh, um, it might be a little flat without a brain. How about the skin on your body? Because your skin goes from your head to your toes. That's a pretty big organ. That's got to be the biggest organ of your body, right? And wow, I mean, wow. Um I'm really delighted about this this episode. I, I am. This is our first guest for 2023. The topic tonight is honest sex, and our guest tonight is Shana James. We're going to bring her on in just a minute, but it you know I'm no sproctologist, but it doesn't take a lot of looking to see that our culture. It's kind of jacked up sideways when it comes to sex. Um, there's there's huge industries that exploit our dysfunctional habits and attributes that we have towards our own bodies, our own bodies. To to be so disconnected from our own bodies that teasing us with with the dregs of the sexual industries and then have so many people show up for that. These are billion-dollar industries. What the hell? What the hell? Some bitch. Something's got to something's got to give and uh I think tonight we can uh we can we can hit that square on. We're in our 12th year now talking about the power of the human persona, the power of the human persona. Everybody who's got a body, go ahead and raise your hand. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, right? Your body, your body, your body is a vehicle of so many things. We feel, we feel, we feel uh, our emotions through our body. Our our soul is shoehorned into this uh, 
this body persona, our bodies are the canvas of our karma. And yet, for so many of us, we're kind of numb to our body. I know, boy, howdy, when I got cracked open 25 plus years ago, and I started doing energy work on myself, I felt like a 50-pound sack of potatoes, a cold 50-pound sack of potatoes. I had no, uh, um, I couldn't feel my body with any kind of lucidness, with any kind of connect. Activity. And um, and yet, now I pay attention to every square inch of my body, and I give it all the attention that it wants and needs. I think we should get to this because Shana brings such a, a powerful message. Again, the topic tonight is honest sex, and our guest is Shana James. For 20 years, Shana has coached more than 1,000 people to find love, to rekindle spark and become more personally inspired and fulfilled. Become more personally inspired and fulfilled. That doesn't sound like we're talking about sex, does it? To become more personally personally inspired. Who wants to be more personally inspired? Raise your hand again if you so choose. And and the feeling of of feeling fulfilled. People are drowned in the mundane. Fulfilled is perhaps a rare thing in the in the mainstream. With a master's in psychology and decades of communication and spiritual training, Shana has a unique view of love and relationships that help many people have the love they've longed for. Join me in welcoming Shana to the show. Welcome to the show, Shana. Thank you so much for having me. I have, I have to be honest and admit, when you asked, would you rather have honest sex or hot sex? I'm like, I think most people would probably say hot sex. But, you know, I think the point of my book is that through honesty, you get to that hot sex. So I just... Right. I just well, that's, ex- that's exactly what I was hoping we would do with those two, is tie the two yeah. together. Tie them together. Exactly. Exactly. Now, would that make it a bondage S&M kind of thing? I mean, are we using rope or duct tape or... Could right? You can, you can go anywhere you want with it. <laughs> well, I mean, just to take a step back, and and because yeah. because the idea of uh, a sexual relationship sometimes that relates to a, a long term engagement or marriage, and and then yeah. there's the quickie one night stand with more yeah. or less a twenty four hour stranger. Yeah. Um, when when we talk about um, the the connection, the connection behind honest honest sex, uh huh, uh huh. How how does that work? I mean, because um, 
you can feel connected at an intellectual level. I mean, mm-hmm. talking about a, a particular topic, you can feel connected with music, with theater. If if we're just to take the ten thousand foot view of yep. of honest sex, what are the core elements we're looking for here? That's a great question. Well, so the book Honest Sex is about more than just sex. Um, it's it's really about the fact that we and I highlight or kind of designate in the book a, a mature kind of honesty or a respectful kind of honesty, not just a say it like it is honesty, but that that's the core of having, um, you know, sex and intimacy and connection that lasts over time. Or, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I almost talked about or, or named the book, you know, some, somewhere in the title, like to, to keep relationships, uh, you know, to make relationships longer, to make relationships last. And then I really realized that my path, I was divorced 10 years ago, and I've had a few important relationships since then. And so my path really isn't the, you know, 50-year marriage. My path is more the, I like to have relationships, whether they're for a day or many years, that are as deeply intimate as possible. So, the idea is that you get to have deeper connection and intimacy and you create a foundation of growth and love and connection through getting more mature in our honesty. And then we get to explore, right, like what in the book I explore what is sex actually because we also have a very limited definition. So. I think I've I've backed up a little bit from where you were, but I just wanted to say that, um, you know, honest sex is based in the premise that actually everything is a doorway for connection and that we don't have to just have sex through happiness or lightness, that we can have sex through the vulnerability and the um, revealing ourselves to our partners in honest ways. Nice. Well, I, I I know when you when you go to let your guard down, when you go to mm-hmm. be intimate, when you go to expose yourself to your beloved, yeah, yeah. that can really uh, pull some strings, pull some triggers in our psyche. Yeah, and it it. Can, it can bring a lot of anxiety and a lot of times we'll have these habitual um, strategies to keep mm-hmm. sex safe. Yeah. But sex is such a powerful, it's a, it's a powerful modality to, for self-realization, for, yes. um, delving into the perhaps the the shadow side or the darker side of ourselves that we might not have even looked at or even be aware of how do we which is really powerful yeah well i would i think uh 
I don't know what to call it, divine sex or um, mm-hmm. sex, mm-hmm. Um, the, the potential of um, authentic sex or, or whatever has, yeah. has an extremely powerful potential for us to do, you know, a couple of decades on the couch in, yeah. you know, in an evening. <laughs> in an evening in the bedroom. and. You know, when that's why one of the sections of the book and one of the chapters is about sex. One of the, the chapters is what is sex actually? Because most people were were not taught about sex, and most people, even fewer people were taught that sex can be healing and transformative and transcendent, and we can do you know psychological and spiritual work in the bedroom. I mean, that's just not something that our culture at large talks about or, you know, shows us how to access. And so that was part of the desire of the book too, is to really look at, all right, well, I call what the just base physical sex, one dimensional sex. And then in the book, I talk about how you can actually have four dimensional sex, right? You can have sex that is physical, that is energetic, that is, soul connected and transcendent, you know, you can train your body to be able to feel another person's sensations and to actually merge with another person's soul. Uh, You know, so sex can be profound. Like you're saying, it can be a doorway into deeper consciousness and into unity and oneness. And yet nobody told me any of that growing up. There's no articles about that in all the no all the mag in Cosmo yeah, right. and all the magazines that I was reading. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it, I I just find that you know like if I talk to a, a young couple that are engaged and they're all excited they're going to be married and perhaps one of them says, well, they make me so happy. And I, I I turn and find the nearest desk, and I pound my head yeah, against yeah. the desk. Going, if they're responsible for your happiness, sunshine, they're also responsible for your sadness. <laughs> yeah. Right. Why would you hang such a burden on this person that you feel so fondly about? Why would you hang such things if happiness yeah. is an inside job and you mm-hmm. put – somebody else responsible for that the there's a commitment perhaps well Mm -hmm. i digress i i i took a bunch of tantra classes yeah and um one thing that happened during the class was uh uh they the class not only uh, welcomed couples, but they welcomed singles. And mm-hmm. the the single women outnumbered the men. Mm-hmm. And so they so they had the men close their eyes, yeah. and the single yeah. women could go tap on their shoulder and and literally hook up with them and go yeah. home and practice these ta- tantric practices. These are strangers. These are absolute strangers, and yet to to be so 
comfortable in your own skin and to go and be so intimate with with even a stranger mm-hmm. it, it really seems like the the archetype of sex is is so deeply rooted within our own psyches that something like that can work where where people yeah. can show up it's almost like it's such a fundamental aspect of ourselves. In in your practice, as you work with individuals and or couples, do you see a, a transformation in in their persona, in their um, in their character? What what I'm getting to is Ooh, yeah. so often yeah. in our in our our egos are grown in our family of origin, and a lot of times our yeah. souls choose a family of, uh, a family of origin that's a polar opposite of why oh, we're yeah. here. <laughs> that happened to me. <laughs> yeah, so um, to, to to go into this intimacy, and we've talked about how how transformational it can be. Have you? Have you seen people blossom or come out of their shell where they might have been oh, living yeah. for decades? Yes. I mean, in profound ways, right? As people, um, as people get to, ultimately, the root of it is releasing shame and having more love and compassion for themselves. And so, you know, that is part of what's possible through honesty and through sacred sexuality. And so I've seen people relax more into themselves and feel like they can, you know, be more at ease, more comfortable in their own skin. Um, You know, I've seen external shifts as well, like, having more amazing relationships and more success and all of those things. But ultimately the thing that makes me the happiest is to see people shift from beating themselves up or making themselves wrong to really, you know, fully, I don't know, fully, but, but deeply loving themselves and honoring themselves and knowing that, you know, especially when we look at sex, it can bring up this, I'm too much. I'm not enough. What I want isn't right. It makes me bad, perverted, all of these, these, the shame that we bring into sex. And so to watch people start to slough that off or shed that skin and then have this sense of, oh, my God, my body is good. My desires are good. <laughs> my, you know, all of that is, is beautiful. Well, and... Um... And for the couple that that choose to take the time, take the effort, mm-hmm. the the subtitle of your book, a passionate path mm-hmm. to deepened connection and keeping relationships alive. As as two people unraveled, we're so critical on ourselves. How yeah. is it? How is it that? we can kind of um, disconnect that critical mind and, and, and see our psyche as we go through mm-hmm. this 
through this practice, uh, there's stuff that our minds would be quick to say, "Oh, that's bad. Oh, that's bad," and then yeah. the new, and then the new stuff that shows up too. Um, how, how do we get out of our minds, perhaps, and into our bodies and into our hearts? Yes. So one of the chapters in the book is called Who is Being Honest? And one of the sections is we are not who we think we are and neither are our partners. And so, you know, part of the access to our hearts is starting to recognize that we have all of these different parts inside of ourselves. And so, you know, one part or maybe a few parts are going to hold that there's something wrong with me or there's something I don't measure up, I'm not smart enough, I'm not beautiful enough, I'm not sexy enough, whatever it may be. And then there are other parts that are actually loving and caring and supportive and move us towards success. And so, you know, I, I, I researched and talk about in the book many different um, psychologists and spiritual teachers who have different framings for this. But part of it is to start to recognize, oh, if I'm in shame, it's a part of myself that is stuck in the past and, you know, usually stuck in some part of our childhood where we had some painful or traumatic experiences, whether big T or little t trauma. And so as we can start to be able to witness ourselves and cultivate the capacity to see okay, this part of me is really scared and this part of me is really pissed and this part of me is, you know, very specific about what she wants and this part of me over here, like we can start to witness and then we don't have to live out those parts unconsciously. We can actually start to make more conscious choices. We can recognize, oh, okay, if I share this part of myself with my partner, you know, from the shame part or from the younger parts, it's like, I'm going to be unlovable forever. Somebody's going to leave. They're never going to want me anymore. I'm not going to be attractive. And then we can, you know, choose another part where we realize, okay, this is going to be scary. I am afraid of being unlovable, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not catastrophizing this and I can bring this to my partner. And then we start to have these healing experiences where in the past, when we were vulnerable, we may have been ignored or teased, but when we are with a loving partner, we can bring that kind of love and attention to each other, and, and we literally start to heal those younger parts. And so then we get more, it's, it's an upward spiral, right? More and more access to our own truth, our own hearts, and then we get to, to share that and co-create that with our partners. Nice. Well, the the habits and patterns we have of labeling a particular feeling, a particular mm. um, experience, and and when we come into a an intimacy with another person, with the beloved, mm-hmm. the the feelings in our in our shadows, so to speak, as they come to light, it can be so easy to drop into those patterns. And yeah. the, the, the mind loves to, yet again, um, react, which always creates mm-hmm. the same results. How do you mm. 
how do you uh, how do you stay in that feeling and and allow it to be uh, like look at it with virgin eyes, look at it with fresh eyes, and not have that stigma with it? Yeah. Well, one of the commitments I made to myself when I got divorced was that I was not going to speak. <laughs> Like when I was in a situation that was heated or where there was conflict, I, I, you know, not that I'm perfect at this, but I committed to myself, okay, I'm not going to open my mouth and say something until I'm clear that this is way more likely to move a situation forward and, and reconnect us than it is to erode the trust and respect in this relationship. And so, you know, for me, really committing to taking time to pause and reflect, oh, this is what I this is where I might have exploded in the past or this is where I might have shut down and, you know, run away in a huff or this is where like the willingness to slow things down and respond rather than react to me was what opened the doorway to start to make new choices and new commitments. Nice. A lot of times for um, guys, mm-hmm. when when their partner, when a woman in this case, um, mm-hmm. shows emotional distress, a lot of times guys really feel like, probably <laughs> across the board, but you bring me problems, I'm supposed to be the problem solver. Mm-hmm. and. And in in intimacy, emotions come up, and a lot of times the guys don't know why the hell that emotion came up, and yeah. and they can they can have this expectation of well I need to fix this, and so I'm going to blabber some words out of uh-huh. what, and and from the guy side of it, I can I can easily say. Mm, there's other choices to make in that moment as far as yeah. be, take the fix it guy and just set him aside and yeah. and and create a space so to speak and allow the allow the woman to go batshit crazy and don't have to own it you don't it's not yeah. it's not there for you to fix per se just to hold space and allow her to to upheave, to let go, to release, to to wallow in the emotion, and I don't mm-hmm. say wallow in a negative term, but to allow herself to be com- uh, to completely embody what that feeling has in the moment, and and not have to fix it. That right yep. there, I mean, you know. We've, we've mentioned a couple of times we didn't ever get trained about that kind of stuff, taught about that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. How do you, how do you see the, the role of each other? I, I'm sure it can go both ways. Yeah. Um, when your partner loses it for perhaps a reason you can't comprehend, how do you, mm-hmm. how do you keep your shit together and and when they're losing theirs. <laughs> well, it take, I think it takes a lot of practice. That is the ultimate moment, right, where the rubber meets the road is when 
one person is losing their shit and then usually what happens is the other person loses their shit in response and gets defensive and then everybody's defending and then it just turns into a big kerfuffle, right? Um, shit fest, I remember, yeah. yeah, shit fest. I remember one time I was on a hike with a partner and he was like, you know, you haven't been reaching out as much and I've tracked, like I can, I know, I, you know, I have it on my phone. I can tell like, cause I was like, really, is that true? I feel like I've called you as much as you called me. And he just like got into this, you know, accounting of what had been happening. And some part of me was like, you're fucking insane. Like what is happening here? I do not, you know, and then, and I took a breath and I paused and I was like, okay, this feels really hard and I don't want to like, I don't want to say anything I'm going to regret and what I'm realizing. And I, you know, I was kind of monotone like this. So like, it wasn't my best, you know, as I could have been, but I basically said like, it sounds like this is really painful for you. Right. Or like, I'm getting that you're feeling hurt by this. And that was not a natural, like that. It took so much to say that instead of just, you know, some kind of fuck you and whatever words or whatever blowing it off that that is really what I wanted to do in that moment. Right. And so I think that recognition of, okay, can I see deeper than what this person is expressing on the surface? Can I see that anytime someone is triggered and anytime someone is reacting in a way that is expressing something painful, blaming, shaming, attacking, etc. there's a hurt person underneath there, right? There's a, a person who's either wounded or feeling um, unseen or misunderstood. And so if I can, it, it feels pretty masterful, right? But if I can manage my own nervous system and not react to the surface expression and really get, oh, let me talk to that one underneath there. You know, that's where right. we can start to deactivate and deescalate some of those moments. Nice. Well, we I've I've mentioned the critical mind and how we like it a lot. like you were talking about him. He pulls out an Excel mm-hmm. spreadsheet and shows you yeah. all the <laughs> disparity crap. You know. Yeah, and um, the, the when our egos are are formed, our parents are so uh, instrumental because you know they 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 say this is a table, this is a chair, this is a Bible, this, mm-hmm. and then they turn mm-hmm. around and they assign value. Right. They assign value and so these value systems are as diverse as humanity itself if if you're on a farm the value is being reliable you know uh make sure you get it done if you're in a religious household like i was born into the value was being perceived as quote righteous and and clean Mm -hmm. and sterile and all that stuff that god wanted Mm-hmm. When when couples get together, a lot of times the clash is in the value system. Yes. You know, yeah. like we're going outside and you're not going to tuck in your shirt. We're going outside and you haven't combed your hair. And, and so uh-huh. the value system is, well, I want to honor what I perceive as valuable in my mm-hmm. in my dynamic. And when the yeah. partner doesn't 
put the same weight uh-huh. on that value system, there can be a, a sense of disappointment because mm-hmm. it's ultimately a measuring stick. Our well, values yeah. are how, how we measure if we're, quote, doing it right or not. Well, and there's a that there's a rigid mind that can only see that the values that we were raised within, right, that those are right. And then there's a more flexible mind that can see, oh, look at that. Like you just said, we all have these different value systems. And, you know, if I make mine right and somebody else is wrong, then I'm destined to have a painful conflict with that person. Right. Well, the I like the idea of so imagine your imagine your bedroom. Mm-hmm. If you were to walk into your bedroom right now, would would all your clothes be hung up nice in the closet? Don't answer this. Would all your clothes <laughs> be nice? It's a, a, a metaphorical question. If your yeah. clothes are all neat and and tidy and hung up. Or did you walk in your bedroom and your clothes are all over the floor and, and you don't know what's clean, what's not clean? Those are kind of polar opposites. Yeah. And and I I always like the idea of try a month of the opposite. Whatever your Ooh, opposite like is. If if your clothes are on the floor, go clean them and hang them all up. Yep. And if they're if they're all hung up now, go in the closet and fling them all over the room, all over the house. <laughs> and and watch how your persona feels. Watch how you feel when you go into a polar opposite dynamic. Mm-hmm. Because that, be that shows... Couples, too, to be like, oh, yeah. I'm going to take a month and try your way, and you're going to take a month and try my way, which might be, Exa- might be that polar yeah. opposite. Exactly, because nobody dies and, mm-hmm. and 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 I think it helps the mind, the ego, break the stigma, these unspoken stigmas of what quote right unquote is, because yep. so often we have an assigned right, and yet it's it's just a a, a value system that we were raised with, and it doesn't uh-huh. have. Um, any absolute merit over over this you know right so what do you think (laughs) what do i think of the having different value systems well okay Uh, how about this um yeah in your book on a sex what points that we haven't talked about would you like to bring up okay that's a good question um well okay so we talked a little bit about how sex is more than most of us were shown um we talked a little bit about being honest in a in a more self-responsible or mature way and recognizing that we have, you know, different parts. Um, One of the things that I think many of my clients come to me and say, well, I don't want to kill my sex life by talking about it. And I really believe that unless we're talking about it, then all we're doing is kind of hoping and praying 
that sex is going to get better and that that usually doesn't work. And so part of what I talk about in the book is how to have conversations that, you know, that, that enhance rather than kill one's sex life. And one of the parts that I think is really profound is to debrief sex. And again, this could be, uh, we could use this for sex and we can use this for any situation, right? That a couple experiences something or try something new. So I think one of the things that's been most helpful for my clients is, is the debrief conversation. And it's been really amazing for me as I'm in a new relationship, we're having debrief conversations too. And we, you know, the intimacy builds way faster when you're actually asking those questions, like, what did you really enjoy about our sex or insert, right? Intimacy connection experience that we just had. And, and what would you want different in the future? What would make it even better in the future? And, you know, are there vulnerable things that you didn't feel safe to say to me in the midst of this experience? But, you know, now that we're here out of, we're, we're not naked anymore and we're a little bit less vulnerable, right? Like, what do you want me to know? So it's not easy and it, it definitely takes, it's risky, but at the same time, if we don't take these kind of risks, then I think we end up in these relationships where people years down the road are like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I can't ask the question because it's been 10 years and I've never asked it or we're not having sex anymore and I don't even know why, you know? Right. Um, so it, it feels really important. Well, if if in the debriefing, I mean, I guess what I'm alluding to is uh, kinky sex mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to kind of get out of the mission missionary position and yeah. and 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 go off the beaten path, so to speak. Pardon the pun. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. uh, um, do do you see sexual desires that are um, off the beaten path? as a, a, a way the persona wants to release some sort of trauma related to, I don't know, role-playing or whatever. It, it, it's, I guess I'm asking, uh, is our sexual desire sometimes fueled by aspects of our psyche that want to psyche. be released? Yeah, I mean, I think so. And I also tend not to view it that way. So I I really tend to look not through the lens of trauma around desires, but more consciousness. So like, I, I think that all of our desires are innately good. And some of them may be attempting to heal. And some of them may be, um, you know, that we want to feel more pain, but like, my my stance is if we can consci- if we have the consciousness and we can consciously engage in our desires with a consenting partner and someone who's loving and kind with us then we can explore anything so i think a lot of times one partner might say to another like well that's deviant or that's um you know that's that's what's the word perverted or I don't like that. And in, 
Yeah, and in the book I talk about how instead of saying to someone like, that's bad or I don't like that or I would never do that, a more mature way to have that conversation would be to notice, oh, when you talk about that, I feel really scared. Or when you talk about that, it brings up my mom's voice saying that I should never do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, with a willingness, like, okay, I'm going to explore this or I'm going to unearth what's going on here for me, not so that I can definitely get to acting out this sexual act that you want to, but so that we can be close and intimate and together we can figure out what do we want to do? What do we want to explore? You know, how can we take a step in the direction of each of our desires, uh, even if we're not, you know, it's not a slam dunk, right? I think it's a much slower process sometimes than people realize. Um, I remember when I was married, I had this desire to have a partner who, you know, was more dominant. And so we were like, okay, let's, we created an experiment that we would do for a whole week. And it, after a day, it totally broke down and we were in this chaos. And one of my friends who was a, you know, a colleague was like, why didn't you try five minutes to start? Like start small, take a small step. So I think that, you know, beautiful things can happen when couples are willing to explore, like, okay, that one doesn't feel like me and it feels pretty scary, but, oh, here's what would make it feel safer for me rather than that's gross, I don't do that, that's not who I am, right? That immediately shuts a partner down and then imagine eventually that partner is going to go somewhere else, right, if they're not feeling appreciated or loved or there's no openness for their desires to be even talked about, then that's not going to create a relationship that lasts. Right. Well, now, honest sex, mm-hmm. the, the, the connection that a couple can have mm-hmm. hours before the bedroom yeah maybe days um it, 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 what about the heart space the mm-hmm. the holding somebody in your heart having a heart mm, connection with each other yeah how does how does your relationship outside of the bedroom um help you build the trust to show Mm. up and have honest sex? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. So I think, right, conversations about sex are very concrete. It's a concrete way to see how are we relating to each other and how are we treating each other. But you could look at any conversation a couple is having, and that's why the whole first section of the book is about honesty, because if we are not having conversations where we can talk about our fears and our desires and our upsets, you know, in a way that brings us closer in a way that, like you just said, we're holding each other in our hearts, then, you know, we're we're not going to get very far. And usually our sex life is going to fade or fall apart because if I don't feel you holding me in your heart, I'm not going to want to open my heart or my body to you. So, 
you make a great point, right? It's really important, I think, that couples figure out ways to have communication that is respectful and, you know, and deep and right where, where there's a discovery happening of who are you and who am I and how do we get to know each other and love each other better? Otherwise, relationships don't last. I like that. So how about um, activities outside of the bedroom, maybe um, Mm -hmm. a night on the town or um, cooking for each other? And and what I'm what I'm alluding to here is is having a connection of of, uh, exchange, if you will, um, Mm -hmm. in other arenas other than um, the 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 sexual intimacy, if if the rest of your dynamic isn't working, can that Mm -hmm. uh, bleed into the bedroom and and make a more intimate connection more difficult? Oh, for sure. I think if the other dynamics aren't working, that's why even though a lot of the work I talk about with people is about sex, most of what we talk about is not about sex, right? Like if a couple comes to me or a single person comes to me or a person in a couple, you know, just comes by themselves because they want to have more or better sex, most of what we talk about is the communication dynamics and the, um, you know, whether someone's feeling seen and heard and understood and connected to the person that they are having or want to have sex with. So, yeah, I, that's why I don't feel like, you know, it, it, separ- it can be separated. And I could have called the book Honest Intimacy or Honest Love or Honest Relationship more than Honest Sex. Um, but somehow Honest Sex wanted to be the title. And, but, you know, ultimately... <laughs> Like I said, that whole first section is really about how do we keep connection alive beyond just thinking about being in the bedroom. Nice. Well, as as human beings, as human genomes, like I like to say, um, yeah, we're we're really vast. Um, personas, our souls are are this really gigantic nonlinear consciousness, mm-hmm. and 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 the love, the love, the the portal of love in our hearts, we can't really exhaust it. That that love stuff. The more you spend yeah. it, the more of it you have. Damn, who thought yeah. of that? Yeah. The, <laughs> To, to have uh, to have intimacy as a platform for the evolution mm-hmm. of your persona, that I think yeah. there's something that happens when. Ooh, I when, love what you just said. Intimacy as a platform for the evolution of your persona. Yes, yes, yeah. So, so when when you're intimate and and you have these ways of ecstasy. Uh, either mm-hmm. flowing through or parking on your body for spans of time, yeah. And then, and then you go off on your own and do creative endeavors. You yep. you come back. You really come back. Kind of, uh, it's a 
kind of a bullshit term, but born again. I mean, you're a new mm-hmm. person. I yeah. mean, you're literally a new person, and I think that's that's uh, th- that evolution of self is a core part of our human demeanor that oftentimes um, we collapse when we fall mm-hmm. into single narratives. We fall, we follow, we fall into patterns our ego feels safe in. And, and that expansion index, that that evolution index gets pinched off. Intimacy yeah. can be a real powerful tool for um, uh, a recharge over and over and over again. Yeah, and, agreed. And, and, and if you go a decade down the road, you're uh, the... You're completely different people if you keep that expansion flowing. So what do you think? I agree with you 100%. I mean, you know, it's like that whole idea of if you take a one-degree shift, if you're in a a ship and you, you know, head your compass a one-degree, it doesn't seem like very much now, but like you said, years down the road, you're going to end up in a totally different place. So... I think if you focus on how can we connect through this frustration we're having right now or how can we love each other better through whatever we're going through, um, I think that's that the whole idea of the book is that's what keeps relationships alive. That's what keeps the passion alive. That's the foundation. It's not date nights and lingerie. They're going to keep a relationship hot if you don't have the foundation of mature honesty and intimacy, then passion is also going to die. Right. Well, we've got a few minutes left. And um, can you think of some tips or some takeaways that for the audience that um, perhaps you've come across either writing a book or working with your clients uh that that they could use in in their pursuit of honest sex. Yes, and I will say in the book in each chapter there are questions to answer whether you know you're on your own or with a partner. Um, so you know definitely pick up the book and and start practicing. Actually, I'm in a a relationship now, a new relationship where. He bought the book and read it all, and we've been practicing, and it's really it's fun, it's powerful. So, um, one of the practices I would say is to start to get honest with yourself. And so, if you're feeling frustrated, or if you're feeling sad, or if you're feeling like something's missing, or you're feeling like you're doing more than your partner, or any of those things to actually start to write them down, not in terms of so that you can blame or shame or keep score or keep tabs, right? Keep the Excel spreadsheet, but (laughs) so that you can start, you can start to know what's upsetting you or what's hurting your feelings or what isn't working for you. And then to be willing to go a level deeper with, Oh, what's vulnerable about this? You know, I gave an example in the book where, um, 
I really like the sink to be clean, you know, like all the dishes in the dishwasher at night. So when I get up in the morning to take my kid to school and I'm making breakfast and making lunch, like I don't have a dirty sink on top of that. It drives me absolutely nuts. So, you know, if I was in a relationship and I was going to talk about that with a partner, I could talk about the sink or I could actually talk about the vulnerability of wanting to be supported and feeling like, you know, if I don't do all of it, then um, like, like there's something wrong with me if I actually want help or there's something wrong with me if I want someone else to support what actually, you know, works for me. So again, right. It's a very different conversation if we're, bringing the level of honesty with vulnerability versus we're bringing the level of honesty with our complaints and our surface conflict and surface tension. So I would say, you know, start to keep some notes when you get upset or when something doesn't go your way and then start to explore that deeper level of vulnerability. Nice. Well, um, it's time to shine the light on you and your book and any modality that you have, uh, for example, your practice, is it in person? Is it online? Uh, mm. Are you taking clients? I mean, give us the whole shebang about how to get yeah. your book and, and, and if people want to reach out to you. Thank you. So you can get my book at shanajamescoaching.com, and Shana is S-H-A-N-A. So shanajamescoaching.com, and if you type in slash honest-sex, it will take you right to the book page. And you can either buy it there, or there's a free chapter, chapter six on what is sex actually. So if you enter your name and email, you can get that free chapter, and then you can see if the book inspires you and if you want to read the rest of it. And yeah, I, I do. I am working with clients and, and taking new clients. And, you know, I do it all over Zoom. So you can be anywhere in the world. And we talk a lot about, like I said, getting to know yourself, your desires. Like most people come to me when they're either struggling with something in their relationship or they are not in a relationship and they want to be in a relationship. And I work especially with people who've been divorced and are creating a new relationship this time around and they don't want to fall into the same habits and patterns. So I'm, I am available. Um, you can also check out the TEDx talk that's on my website as well called What a Thousand Men's Tears Reveal About the Crisis Between Men and Women. And so I work a lot with men and support men to be more vulnerable and, and open with their feelings and, you know, to get to receive more as well. Well, very nice. Uh, Shana, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. I've really enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for having me. We've been talking with Shana James, and the topic tonight has been Honest Sex, the name of her latest book, A Passionate Path to Deepen Connection and Keep Relationships Alive. 
You know, uh, what she said about if you change your course one degree now, you're going to end up in a completely different place in the future. To work on your own persona, to work on your own genome, to work on your psyche, your values, your belief systems, and to to hone those into a more authentic expression of yourself. Authenticity cannot be assigned to you. It comes from within you. And don't let your ego have all the say in what, quote, is authentic for you, unquote. Because oftentimes the ego will posture an idea of an authentic trait or demeanor in yourself and your heart and your soul might have a completely different perspective about what an authentic um, attribute of yourself would be. So to, to consider your authenticity in your ongoing narrative, that monologue that runs in your brain as you go throughout your day, to pay attention to that and recognize languaging in your day that's not authentic to you, that's a place where you can make subtle and easy changes over time, and yet in the future you end up being a much more authentic person. And when you're authentic and passionate, When you're authentic and passionate, there's a spark, there's a zing, there's a sparkle in your eye. That's the the Kool-Aid. That's the stuff. You can't exhaust your potential. You can't. You just can't. You have a, a well of love within you that the more you draw from it, the more the more of it there is for you to draw from. Love will kick your merry sweet ass if you let it in a most beautiful way. Hey, look at this. Here we are at the end of the episode, and you showed up for yourself. You showed up for yourself. You decided to tune into an episode that talked about your potential, something I always love talking about. Here we are at the beginning of a new year. And uh, got a clean slate. So, so dream your best dream. Your dreams are your soul trying to inspire you. Your dreams are that carrot your soul dangles in front of your ego to inspire you to step into action. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Always a pleasure. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.